Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Haley Barton, and this season we are talking about my new book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest from Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again. And today we are transitioning from the topic of our personal practice of Sabbath to the topic of leading Sabbath communities. We've already touched on the communal nature of Sabbath, that Sabbath was given to the community of the people of Israel, and that one of the reasons that it worked for them was because they did it together in community. And so now we want to talk about how we can experience this in community, and especially how leaders can lead in cultivating Sabbath communities. So I'm thrilled today to have special guests, Jeannie and Jarrett Stevens, co-pastors of a church in Chicago, and I'll be speaking with them about how they're wrestling with this topic in their own setting. So before we get into today's episode, I want to kick it over to our podcast producer, Colleen Powell, and she's going to tell you about a special giveaway today. Hi, Ruth. Well, because we are really celebrating this idea of Sabbath in community, we are giving away two copies of Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, one for you and one for someone in your community with whom you'd like to practice Sabbath. We are giving this away on our Transforming Center Instagram page. So you can head over to the Instagram page and you'll see a post with instructions on how to enter and um, we would love to get some copies of books into one lucky winner's hand. Thanks so much, Colleen, for bringing the fun. And now we can get into this week's conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking with Jarrett and Jeannie Stevens. They are the founding co-lead pastors of Soul City Church in Chicago, Illinois. They have spent the last 11 years pastoring and leading Soul City together, but I've actually known them much longer than that. I've known them for years before they pastored and founded this church, and also they have both been in transforming community with us. So I am thrilled to rekindle our relationship around this topic and just to hear something about how they're responding to this subject as it has to do with their their church in Chicago. They have both authored books. Jared has authored The Deity Formerly Known as God, as as well as praying through. And Jeannie has a new book out called What's Here Now. So please enjoy this conversation. Well, it's so wonderful to welcome you, Jeannie and Jarrett, to the podcast, to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. And um, I've really been enjoying having those guests with me that I've been on a journey with for a long time. And we've been on a journey together for a long, long time. Long time. <laughs> Very long. Ever Only since. gets better with every year. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, we, don't, we don't need to give a count of numbers no, here. We don't. But we will just say that I have known you since you were puppies. <laughs> Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, so this is before like, we even had a puppy. It, that's right. Yeah. So like I, you know, we just go all the way back and it's so delightful, yeah. these long-term relationships that God gives us through the years, lots of twists and turns, but still in relationship and still seeking God together around these issues mm -hmm. of uh, sacred rhythms and how our souls are connected with our leadership and things like that. So I am looking forward to this conversation and talking about your Sabbath practice yourselves as leaders, as co-lead pastors of Soul city in Chicago, but also taking it a bit further and asking, how are you guiding your congregation in sacred rhythms, especially the rhythm of work and rest and Sabbath, because mm -hmm. it's very countercultural and hard to do. And I'm mm -hmm. praying that this new book actually drives a bigger stake in the ground, not just for the personal discipline of Sabbath, but also for how communities, whole communities can yeah. order their lives around this beautiful gift that God has given to us. So, yeah. so welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Ruth. This it is, is so special to be with you. And gosh, we have walked some yeah. path. We, yeah. have. we have walked some journey. <laughs> and what a what a gift and a blessing and a guide and a light mm -hmm. you have been to oh. us in very significant seasons. So whenever Ruth asks it's a, Done. it's a yes. <laughs> so, oh, I'm so, I'm, well, I'm so grateful because here we are in another yes, right? You all <laughs> said yes yeah. to yeah. being on this podcast. Well, um, so we're talking today about embracing rhythms of work and rest from Sabbath to sabbatical and back again. And I'd like to start by hearing about your own Sabbath practice as leaders, just as pastors, your individual practice of Sabbath keeping and, and the impact of that on your lives, how important that is in your lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is something that um, <laughs> we've had seasons with and 
for us specifically personally, it is for us, there's a, it's a Friday going into Saturday mm-hmm. for us is how we do it. Starting, um, Friday morning, going slow, um, most weeks going to breakfast together. And this is once the kids are off to school, you know, we're in a season where they're both at school and that kind of helps mm-hmm. us be able to be a little bit slower mm-hmm. instead of running around or rushing around or just wanting to, you know, they have so many sports and activities that our Saturdays can tend to just be given away before we even sign up for anything. So for us, it's that going slow um, and staying away from work. It's really, um, you know, we have services we have on Sunday morning. And so it's really just trusting that what we got done through the week is what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And for whoever, if either one of us is teaching or preaching on Sunday, then usually around seven or eight o'clock on Saturday night, we'll go back up and mm-hmm. read through the the notes and what we have. But that's what we really try and as best we can stay away from all of that. No meetings, no, mm-hmm. Hey, this is the only time I can grab coffee with you. Can we do it? It's just, we really block and guard that time as best we can. Um, especially those Fridays for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say that one of the things that we've learned over the years and are still learning, and I appreciate that the title said from Sabbath to sabbatical mm-hmm. and back again. Mm-hmm. I, I Hopefully want we to, come back, right? Yes. yes I want to yes. underline the back again because mm-hmm. there's a, a rhythmicness to it. And mm-hmm. there's also an awareness of, of the seasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just finished our summer sabbatical, our our family break, Mm -hmm. but we're in weekly rhythm of Sabbath break. Mm -hmm. And so those different practices are really critical. I was on a call with uh, a guy that has has brought some good coaching and direction and, and leadership into my life this morning. And and I was giving him a reflection on on how I've returned uh, to our team and to our church. And he said, why do you think you're so clear? Why do you think you're at peace? And I said, oh, no question. <laughs> it's not I'm hard rested. to figure out. Yeah. I'm rested. Mm-hmm. I have been in consistent rhythm with God mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. And you just show up differently when yeah. you are you're pouring out from a full well. Mm-hmm. And I think Jared and I have learned that the back again, uh, if, if you miss Sabbath, if you miss sabbatical, because we are certainly not showing up on this podcast as professionals. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we are not the most uh, faithful to it. Every single T we try mm-hmm. so hard to be rhythmic mm-hmm. to, to practice it. And the back again is the recognition of when we fail, when we miss, yeah. when we're like, oh, wow, we did let that thing creep mm-hmm. in. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Saturday became doctor's appointments. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, it was spending the morning at the grocery store. That does not feel like Sabbath mm-hmm. rest. And That's so right. we have to come back again, right? And go, okay, what does my soul need? What does your soul need? And how can we be attentive to that? Because we don't fill up the exact same way. And Mm -hmm. so we have to really be attentive to what our individual souls need and then what our our partnership partnership needs as we lead our family and Mm -hmm. our church together. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about the fact that you have two kids in high school now. And so that's a season. And I remember it well, because I was, I was practicing Sabbath during, that's when I started and felt invited and called into the practice of a Sabbath. And, you know, sometimes I wish I could have started earlier when the kids were more malleable and when, when I had more control over their schedules. But when God began to lead me back into a practice that I had kicked into the curb because it was practiced so poorly in my early life. I had been glad to be done with that. But then when I started to feel invited back into it, our kids were already into their own priorities and things like that. And it wasn't appropriate for me to foist it on them at that time. Mm -hmm. So I had to sort of practice by myself at first. But, you know, you don't have as much control um, in a home where there are teenagers, like with their own schedules and all their athletic events. And so there are challenges in the seasons, too. And it yeah. sounds I think that that gets at the back again, you know, like you get it established yeah. one way and then you realize, uh oh, this new phase of life isn't this working is so well. Yeah. Yeah. So, adjust. yeah. So how do I come back to what the thing really is? But in this season of my life, you know? Yeah. And I would say Jeannie mentioned and, and we can talk about this more or, or not at all if mm-hmm. you don't want to. But we have a practice now 
of a summer break that our elders initiated mm-hmm. for us back in the summer of 2014. So we were about three years into the mm-hmm. church. And I mean, this is when you and I got back into relationship because we hit the bottom and, and we're just about done after three years of mm-hmm. starting this church. And part of what the elders in their great wisdom said is this is utterly unsustainable. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're stepping in, you know, and we're gonna, mm-hmm. in, you know, enforce for lack of a better word, they would never use that word, yeah. the, a, a rest, a stop, a yeah. break. Cause we want you for the long haul. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't want you to, to burn out. And I'm grateful for that when it did come because it came when our kids were younger and it's become a part of their rhythm and their summer of, yeah. you know, Oh, mom and dad are very much around. In fact, annoyingly. So and, that's right. You know, our, our kids have asked us several times, what do you guys even yeah. do? During well, yeah, this sorry. Time? When are you leaving? Yeah. yeah. What? It, yeah. You guys get paid for this. So I'm grateful for that because they have grown mm. up with parents who are pastors and in a church that has said, this matters, this rest matters. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what God will do with that for the long story of their life, but I, I'm very grateful for these last eight or nine years that that's been a part of their story. Yeah. Well, and that speaks to the communal nature of it, right? That, that it wasn't something that you actually even accomplished for yourself. Your community, your leadership community was able to say to you, we want you to be well, and this is what we believe will contribute to that. So... Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when we're tethered in healthy ways to mm-hmm. accountability, others can see for us oftentimes what yeah, we can't we can. see for ourselves. I often right. say an untethered leader is a very dangerous leader. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful for the different models we've had over the years and the different people like yourself that we've been tethered to in healthy, accountable ways that have reflected back into our lives what perhaps we could not see, Mm -hmm. that they could look in our eyes and say, well, you may not be uh, admitting dangerous levels of tiredness. Mm -hmm. I see eyes that Mm -hmm. look dangerously tired. And I'm I'm grateful for the different men and women that have played that role in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just use that as a segue then to start talking about community, because that's what I most want to talk to the two of you about. I've watched and witnessed your life as you have really wrestled with Sabbath rhythms in your life, and I see them now, and I know that you have them, and I'm very reassured by that myself, you know, to, to know that you've been on a journey with, with this aspect of the rhythm, you know, the rhythms mm-hmm. of work and rest. But I, with you guys in particular, I've really wanted to talk about the idea of Sabbath community. It's kind of a phrase that I coined in this book. I don't know if it's being used anywhere, um, but this idea that the lives of communities can be also shaped and oriented around Sabbath keeping and that one of the primary roles of a senior pastor or a senior leader is to be the one to say this is uh, something that God has given to us for our good and God wants it for all of us and it's a really good gift and it's not a lifestyle style suggestion it's actually one of the Ten Commandments and so yeah and yeah so we're actually going to work on this together you know Mm -hmm. and so we were you know before we got on air here we were talking about this incredibly challenging quote from Tilden Edwards and maybe I'll just read it to frame our conversation here and then talk about how this is working out in your own life where he says that the church's primary social and psychological task is to help people manage their experienced dependency upon God in such a way that they're better able to care effectively for the world. And don't you love the coupling of that there? Mm -hmm. Um, These two dimensions of dependency and caring define the needed human uh, rhythm of life. The church is the only large-scale institution in society that is accountable for and capable of fostering such an authentic rhythm. And... um, you know, my own experience with Sabbath is that I always felt it was really impossible when I was on staff at a church because Sundays are such a full day. But then when I was not on staff in a church and our family was just a normal attender of a church, I discovered that it wasn't so much the secular society that was keeping us from practicing Sabbath. It was actually the church itself mm-hmm. because we were piling all these Christian activities into Sundays. And there wasn't even a mention of trying to create a day that was different than all the other days. In, in you know in the church that we were a part of so i'm wondering with you how have you thought and wrestled with the idea of cultivating a sabbath community where the whole community is now ordering their lives around sabbath keeping and is receiving guidance and teaching and the church's activities are being scheduled in such a way that 
that it's actually possible for people who are involved in the church to practice Sabbath and the church, in fact, guides them and leads them in this practice. Yeah, I I read this quote that that you just shared and I instantly thought, ouch, this is very, very challenging (laughs) to the pastor leading a movement of Jesus followers Mm -hmm. and having all of the the simultaneous pressures that mount in Mm -hmm. a in a community that is setting itself in the ways of Jesus, but that can so quickly lose steam. And it's not really about the ways of Jesus. It's about how many people are attending on Sunday, how many people are giving to the church, mm-hmm. how many people are, are serving, groups. how many people are in groups. And uh, you can so quickly start to just measure those types of metrics and the metric of are we helping more and more people understand how to practice the Sabbath and do it regularly? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, <laughs> I want to meet, I want to meet all of those pastors that have that on their metrics sheet uh, <laughs> because I think it is very few. I'm being very honest. I think it's oh, very I appreciate few. That. And earlier in the book, uh, you have another quote by Tilden and he says, corporate worship can be the pinnacle of Christian Sabbath, but it's not the Sabbath. Mm. And, and the truth is, I think so many of us uh, over the years have taught a false representation of what Sabbath is. It is not walking through the doors of the church, worshiping for 20 minutes, hearing a sermon, going through a closing song, picking up your kids at the kids' church, and then driving home. And the rest of the day is the same as any other day. Yes, that that. is not... That is not Sabbath, Mm -hmm. but I think for so many years, the Western church, and I'm a part of this, so I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, preaching to my own self, have been a part of churches and lead a church that does a lot of those things that we have said, that's what Sabbath Mm -hmm. is. And when I read Tilden's quote, and as I've even thought about the state of the soul coming out of the last two and a half years, the state of people's Mm -hmm. souls. What I just described, if that is what people are experiencing as their only Sabbath connection, it will not heal the soul. Mm-hmm. That's a, a place you go to experience corporate connection with other followers of Jesus and people that are curious about mm-hmm. Jesus and the ways of Jesus. That in and of itself is not Sabbath. And I think in the last few years, I have been all the more convicted and challenged to connect people to what is the practice of Sabbath and not seeing their attendance at Soul City Church as as their Sabbath. Mm -hmm. You know, he says that it's unrealistic to expect people to be fully present in liturgy when it's surrounded by rushed, distracting activities of every kind. A dulled and distracted mind cannot worship with any depth. And I imagine on any given Sunday in any church, there are probably mostly dulled and distracted minds because we haven't fully taught how to practice Sabbath. We've taught how to come to church. Or for how we can actually plan the whole Sunday morning experience or the whole Sunday day in such a way that people are experiencing Sabbath. We're not looking at even worship planning and services through that lens at all. You know, I was so struck, Jeannie, by the phrase when you talked about leading a movement of Christ, of Jesus followers, um, because I also, as a part of this season, I've talked to a Jewish rabbi, and he he made the point that, you know, if we're going to be Jesus followers, we will practice the Sabbath because Jesus was a practicing Jew and he kept the Sabbath. So it's actually part of our Jesus followership to practice Sabbath, but it's just not a part of our Christian heritage mm-hmm. much at all, um, in, at least mm-hmm. in the last 300 years or so. Yeah. And especially Ruth, which I'm, I'm so grateful for your desire to 
lead leaders towards this practice so that they can lead communities to it because it is you're right for whatever level it is not even taught or experienced for the average Jesus follower, it's probably actually less so for the Christian leader mm -hmm. because it totally works against our Western idea of what it means to grow something, be successful. You know, I, it's just it, the thought of having to stop and rest and, and ultimately trust and depend on God is like, oh, well, shoot, if I do that, then, well, none of this all is going to work and I won't have a community to lead towards Sabbath mm -hmm. if, if I actually practice myself. And so we, we have very much backed ourselves as leaders into a corner. And it's very hard to lead a community to places that, that you're unwilling to go yeah. yourself. And some of the ways that we have imperfectly led Soul City towards being a church that that practices Sabbath and honors Sabbath and understands even what it does mm -hmm. for our soul, we really encourage our leaders. You know, we have three kind of cycles of ministry. And so we've got our fall cycle, our summer, and then our spring, you know, kind of winter, spring. And we really encourage our leaders to serve two out of the three. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're a small group leader and you're going to lead a fall session, a, a, a fall small group, mm -hmm. and then perhaps you're going to lead one in the winter that you would take the summer off. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't lead um, your group. That's one of the the small things that we've done to try to put in not just the weekly Sabbath, but almost a sabbatical rhythm, you know, in, yeah. in the ways people lead so that they don't burn out, so that they don't show up saying I'm exhausted. I'm I'm constantly serving. I I haven't found rest for my own soul. I have nothing to give to others because I feel like all I've done mm -hmm. is show up for all of the needs of the church and the church hasn't shown up for the needs of my own soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say another one too for us in I don't think we've ever articulated this. I, I don't know if we've ever articulated this to our church. But we used to work at a church with you a million years ago, Ruth, mm -hmm. that had multiple Saturday evening offerings, yeah. as well as multiple Sunday mm -hmm. day offerings, as well as a midweek, two midweek offerings. Mm -hmm. And for some years, as well as, I mean, it just, you could keep going and going and going. And I'm really grateful for the clarity and simplicity um, of another church we work for or, uh, down in Atlanta called North Point Community Church, where our pastor, Andy, you know, folks would come to him year after year and say, if we could just open up a Saturday night service, we would be able to reach so many more people mm -hmm. if we just did a Saturday night service. And his just dogged determinedness to say, we are not going to do that. That will kill the soul of our staff. It will kill our volunteers. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'd rather go through the pains of starting another church, if that's what we have to do, than, than bringing that into our rhythm. And we just really learned from that and from the very beginning mm -hmm. of our church said, we're just not going to do that. We're yeah. not going to do that. We want to be able to really have a stopping and an ending of, for at least at the very least for our staff, a stopping and ending of the week and a starting of the week Yeah, and not have it just all kind of muddled together. Yeah. yeah. And we all as a staff practice the same days mm -hmm. of Good. Sabbath. You know, we, we, um, we all take Friday and Saturday so that we can have a full two days with our families mm -hmm. and it's up to our team to determine, you know, if Friday and or Saturday, whichever fits best in mm -hmm. their rhythm, but we are not working. We are not producing ministry on those days. And we've learned over the years that if for some reason uh, we have some kind of event that, that is best up. to mm -hmm. do on a Saturday, we'll take another day out of the week, that upcoming week and say, since we did not practice Sabbath this weekend, we're going to all practice it on Monday yeah. or on Wednesday or, or whatever, so that that rhythm stays fresh and mm -hmm. it stays in motion because there, there have been seasons where we didn't do that well. And we yeah. realized, gosh, people are tired. They're drained. <laughs> they, you know, they're, they're, they're not showing up fresh for ministry. Mm -hmm. They're showing up frazzled, um, tired. frazzled and tired. And, and the overflow is not going to be one that's filled with the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. 
One of my greatest areas of concern after staff, pastoral staff themselves, is this category of high-level volunteers, where they are working nine-to-five jobs, and so they don't have the, yeah. they don't have the luxury that pastoral staffs have of just deciding yeah. that they're going to yeah. take a certain right. day for a Sabbath. Yeah. And so those high-level volunteers, and you know, like even even parking lot attendants and nursery workers and Sunday school teachers and youth group leaders and how if they're working Monday through Friday intense nine to five lives and then they have to come on on the weekends and do big responsibilities at our church how are we helping them in that kind of a rhythm to establish Sabbath are are we even thinking about it for them you know and so it sounds like you all have that in your awareness that those high-level volunteers in particular need our attention because they don't have the flexibility that we do as staff people Mm -hmm. to take another day you know of the week Mm -hmm. they've got what they've got in their own work and I so even just knowing that we're paying attention to that feels so important to me Mm-hmm. In the leading of a yeah, and community. I would say, uh, you know, I, I'm curious about the kinds of conversations that you have had with leaders in this post-COVID reality. Mm-hmm. I know some of the experiences that we have had in our church is that uh, we we all moved to such an isolated way of mm-hmm. living. And it was well beyond the habit forming days, right? However many days they say it takes to form a habit, whether it's 21 or, you know, we know that two and a half years uh, will do it, right? It's a little two more. and a half years will form a new habit. And there are new habits in inside yeah. of people. And we've experienced a real reluctance mm-hmm. in people yes. to make any commitment yep. towards uh, service, yeah. towards, <laughs> towards, um, towards attendance, yeah. towards, towards getting out of your pajamas, right? Anything. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I do promise that I, I am wearing uh, real clothes oh, all good. the way through. Not Wonderful. Just Not just on top. That's very good. Good. <laughs> but, you know, it has, it has been really challenging for people mm-hmm. to return to uh rhythm and i think in some ways you know we stayed home and and isolated in in many cases and maybe thought we were practicing sabbath Mm, maybe maybe. we thought we were slowing down maybe we thought Mm. oh i i like that i don't have all these commitments and so i'm not going to return to any commitments or to a life of service Mm -hmm. or to a life of participation and we've kind of kept the line almost as i'm gonna just keep in a retreated pattern and i'm curious for Mm -hmm. you as somebody that waves the banner high on a life of Mm -hmm. retreat waves the banner high on a life of sabbath and sabbatical where do you think the role of returning to to work? Because mm-hmm. your whole book is embracing rhythms of work and rest. Right. You are mm-hmm. not saying that we should just live lives Good of rest. <laughs> right. And I'm curious your thoughts on what you've seen in this post-COVID reality of how people are returning to healthy rhythms of of service mm-hmm. and work and, and caring for the, the body of Christ again. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think everybody's in that unfolding, right? I don't think we have, we don't know what, we do not know what the outcome of all this is going to be. I feel like we're still so early on in Mm -hmm. this wondering of, you know, are people going to come back to church? What's church going to look like on the other side of this? Um, And also redefining community and what community means. I mean, even though I do raise the banner high on rhythms of rest and retreat, we also raise the banner high on the value of community by, you know, engaging what we call the transforming community because we but we believe so strongly that community is essential for our transformation in Christ. It's not only biblical, but it's experiential. Like we just know it's true, you know, that our deeper kinds of transformations take place as we're willing to have this rhythm of being alone with God and hearing God's voice in our lives, but then engaging with people. And, you know, as Bob Mulholland talks about allowing people in community to be agents of God's troubling grace or agents of God's grace to us. So again, there's a, there's a rhythm right now, the rhythm of silence and solitude and retreat, but also the rhythm of then coming back into community and, and having the beauty is in the rhythm, which was why I insisted, you know, on the back of the book cover here that the phrase be the goodness is in the rhythm. 
because mm-hmm. work is not better than rest and rest is not better than work. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty is in the rhythm as we have that in balance in our lives. So I do think also, though, it's been a time of clarification where people have gotten a little clear on what they want out of life and what they want out of life in community. And so one of the things that I've encouraged is that they're, rather than pastors trying to just get back to normal, whatever normal is, and everybody's saying we're not going to go back to normal, and we we accept that and we know that. But sometimes I think we sit in our ivory towers and we think we're going to figure out what's going to call people back, rather Mm -hmm. than actually facilitating conversations with the real people in our communities and saying, who are we on the other side of this? What do we want now? Church is never going to look exactly like it used to. And I think we're unwise as leaders if we think it ever will. But to let something emerge organically with some committed people, because I feel like if we all had shared some shared ownership of what our churches are going to be on the other side, that there would be those who would say, "Okay, I've been a part of this conversation and what we're choosing to do now. I've had a voice in this. It wasn't just my pastors who went to a room by themselves or went off on a strategic planning retreat and decided I was included. I was in the room. I gave my input. I felt heard. I feel like what we're coming up with really reflects what's on my heart. So I'm in. But I don't think I just don't think we can skip that step. I I don't think that we're going to see pastoral staffs get together in a room and make decisions and get it all right, all by ourselves Mm -hmm. in a room. I think Mm -hmm. we're going to have to engage the person in the chair or the person, you know, I I don't want to say pew because that's so outdated, but, you know, the person in the chair to say, how are we going to co-create this again together on the other side? Because we're not going to go back. I don't think we will. But what can we what can we envision going forward? And if we all have a chance to speak into that, can we all commit to it? We wanted to pause for a moment and express our gratitude to our sponsor. The season of our podcast is sponsored by GoodKind. GoodKind is all about helping people cultivate the good kind of habits and holiday practices that allow them to engage with God and one another throughout the year. They have a great tool for Advent and also a Sabbath box to help you practice Sabbath with your family and so much more. So to learn more about them and the products that they make, you can find them at goodkind.shop. I really appreciate the reality of naming that our minds are so clouded Mm -hmm. and uh, overflowing with so many thoughts. And I, I sense that we don't just have soul exhaustion, we have mental exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm curious for, for you, I know that a lot of my inner work has been the, the collecting of, um, you know, the scriptures talk about take captive your thoughts mm-hmm. and make them obedient to Christ. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that for many years, my struggle in really getting into rhythm of, of rest and, and even mental clarity was I was doing the inverse of that passage. I was allowing my thoughts to take me mm-hmm. captive. Yeah. And, you know, in your book, you talk about this, this story of this pastor, Pastor Dan, which mm-hmm. um, before we started recording, mm-hmm. I, I asked you, am I Pastor Dan? Mm-hmm. Uh, were, you, were you writing <laughs> about me? I'm sure every, every leader could ask that question. Yeah. And, it was a uh, composite of just things that I've witnessed and observed. Uh, sure, sure, <laughs> <Yes>. sure. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the first thing that you talk about Pastor Dan experiencing is that he was functioning beyond his limits. Mm-hmm. He was stuffing inevitable pains of life Mm -hmm. and ministry. He was soldiering on. He Mm -hmm. felt deep soul weariness. And to me, I would love to meet the pastor that has Mm -hmm. not felt that Mm -hmm. post the last two and a half years. Especially, yeah. yeah. Because I will say I experienced that and then some. Mm -hmm. Even as somebody that is a graduate of the Transforming Center, (laughs) as somebody that had Ruth Haley Barton herself light a candle with me as the only person in the room. I've done all the things, you know, and Mm -hmm. I got the diploma. Mm -hmm. And yet my soul, even 
even in practicing some Sabbath rhythms, mm. my soul yeah. was tired. And I, I'm curious what you would say to us, Ruth, on, on that mental exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we slow that part of our lives down so that we can allow the other passage from Paul, whatever is mm. pure and lovely and true and admirable, you know, th- think of such things, right? Mm. There's, a, there's a lot more adjectives in there, but how do we make those shifts? Because I think that is so critical to our Sabbath practice. Mm-hmm. Well, th- yeah, there was a lot in what you said, so I'm going to try to figure out what to address. But I think that Sabbath is just such a gift to us in the midst of that reality that you've named, because it does invite us to put boundaries around our, not just our heart, not just our physical work and set that aside, but also to put some boundaries around our minds. And the turning off of technology, the, the setting the technology aside, I think is a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. I mean, I, I don't ever want to make it sound like this is easy for me, because it's not. I'm as addicted to technology as anyone else. And, and yet... When I began to recognize it as an addiction, I realized, oh, God's already out ahead of me. God's already given a gift mm-hmm. that's supposed to help with that. And when I started really wrestling with technology and the invitation and the opportunity to turn it off and set it aside, and I've even talked with some folks about making sure it's out of sight, mm-hmm. that the Sabbath is God's gift way out ahead of us to invite us to say, I am giving you instruction and permission to actually shut down all the external stimulation right now. And of course, now what that does mean is that we do have to then deal with the internal stuff, you know, and that's true as well, that when I'm not distracting myself by everything out there, that means that I'm more present to the pain of my own life, to the disillusionment that I've experienced, to whatever's unresolved within me. Now I don't have all those defenses and all those distractions. So now I have to be more present to what's really going on in my own life. But because Sabbath also has such an, such an emphasis on delight and receiving God's good gifts. There's such a focus on delighting and receiving and steeping in God's good gifts. I think it's very helpful to those other realities. And it does foster Mm -hmm. contentment with the gifts that God has given Mm -hmm. me in my life and the simple Mm -hmm. gifts, not the consumeristic Mm -hmm. gifts, but the simple gifts. Mm -hmm. And it also fosters a sense of delight and satisfaction and enoughness. You know, that my yes. life as God has given it to me is enough. And look at these beautiful gifts mm-hmm. of my spouse or my children or my cat or my dog or mm-hmm. um, my whatever, whatever it is, my home, the way God's given it to me. It's it's a beautiful time to, to say no to the external stimulation mm-hmm. and to drop down into this place of appreciation and gratitude. It's mm-hmm. it's a practice in trust. It's a practice in gratitude and contentment mm-hmm. and simplicity. Mm-hmm. There's so many, I, you know, one of the joys of writing this book was that I really became convinced, I think probably for the first time, that this is a formational practice, that yes. Sabbath keeping forms something in us that God would not have access to us in the, in the same way if we didn't practice it. And these are aspects of godliness, you know, that we're talking about. They're aspects of godly character That's right. that God forms in us beyond our own attempts when we just enter into the practice. I, I don't know. I think that the Sabbath is very hopeful because I agree with you, Jeannie. You, you talked about the mind being clouded. I actually experience the mind to be fragile. Like the word that I thought when you said clouded was, no, I'm going to go further than that. I'm going to say the mind is fragile. We are fragile mentally and psychically. And these things affect us. And it feels very tender to say it. But we're tender at that level. And whatever comes in, we we can't defend ourselves against all of it. There are some things that we just have to not let in because we are tender and we are fragile and we are human, even as leaders, even as people who are perceived as strong leaders, we need to know ourselves to be fragile Mm -hmm. and that everything that we let in affects our fragile minds and um, our tender human selves that are trying Mm -hmm. so hard to be okay and be well in this very rough world. So it's what God has given to us. Yeah. Yeah, And that takes beautiful surrender, Mm -hmm. as you've already said, and discipline, right? To say, this thought is not of service mm-hmm. to to my life 
in God, in relationship to myself mm-hmm. and to others. Yeah, being on this kind of social media does not serve. It doesn't. Yeah. It opens me up to stuff that actually is very destructive for me. So yeah. I, I've, I've sometimes thought maybe other people are better than I am. Maybe they're stronger than I am because they can do all that and be okay. But I'm not sure anymore. I I'm think not, we're yeah. all affected. Yeah, I know I'm not, and I'm I'm embarrassed to say so, but I'm not okay when I'm on some of those media outlets. Um, it really yeah. affects me in ways yeah. that, and and I want to take all that captive. I love the verse you're bringing to this that that we are invited to do that, and especially on the Sabbath. The rest of the time, we might need to be open to things we'd rather not be open to, but on the Sabbath, God says you can cut it off. You can mm-hmm. you can turn it off. You can cut it off and just be with me and let me wrap you in a blankie and take care of you today. <laughs> right, right. No, that's good. That's yeah. so good. Mm. What else? I wanted. I would like to keep going with Pastor Dan's story if you're okay with that. Do you have anything else about Pastor Dan's story that that you responded to or reacted to? I cried writing that story when I got to the yeah. end. Yeah. I literally yeah. cried at the end because it came out so so true. His journey and what ended up happening in the end was so true and beautiful, you know? Yeah. I really appreciated that. I I think that in leadership, there's such a temptation. And I felt this reading Dan's story to um, hustle harder Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. we feel exhausted or when we feel weary or we don't want to admit that, uh, we don't feel freshly connected mm-hmm. to God. And I so appreciated his beautiful humility mm-hmm. in coming to his board and saying, I'm not well. I'm not okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not struggling. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay. I appreciated that he uh, allowed himself to first start to practice these rhythms. Mm-hmm. Then he invited his team into Mm -hmm. it. Then he invited his church into it. It reminds me of the very first Transforming Center uh, weekend where you say to all of us pastors, Mm -hmm. you are not allowed to teach any of this content. (laughs) I got that message loud and clear. As a communicator, I was really bummed out when you said that because I'd I'd much rather just give it away than actually take it in for myself. You're going, that'll preach, that'll preach. Just let me at it. (laughs) I took a lot of notes and I saved those binders. And so I'm under, I'm I'm released from that uh, contract. Yeah, so I can teach it all I want. But what I loved about Pastor Dan is that he walked the path of humility. Mm -hmm. Yeah versus the path of hustling harder mm-hmm. to or hiding, to, or hiding. Yeah. yeah which is obviously a a, a very tempting uh, route to go mm-hmm. when you feel defeated and overwhelmed and as i was reading pastor dan's story i saw god just beautifully uh exalt lift up mm-hmm. in his congregation the gift and the blessing of being in rhythm of Sabbath, mm-hmm. of of teaching this, of practicing it, and and it, it it made me curious as to how we can do that even more. There, there are lots of ways that we do teach mm-hmm. it. There's lots of ways that we model do it. practice it. We model it. We have accountabilities even around it with our mm-hmm. board. But I thought, gosh, how can we all the more? Let this be something that if people were to reflect upon the the work of Soul City Church in the city of Chicago, I would hope that they would say lots of beautiful things about who we are as a multiracial church. I would hope that they would say lots of true things about the kind of transforming community that they experience But I thought, would they say, Mm -hmm. I learned how to practice Sabbath Mm -hmm. rest there. And as I was particularly reading this story, I thought, oh, God, may that be true Mm -hmm. of the Soul City community. May that be true of us. And, you know, we are in such a a transient place that sometimes we only get somebody for Mm -hmm. 18 to 24 months. And so might they pick up that that tiny mm-hmm. morsel of what it means to be in a transforming relationship with Jesus that to be transformed i practice sabbath yeah. so that that was one of the things that i was just so moved by in pastor mm-hmm. dan's story yeah and i'll just 
quickly add on to that. While it is a fictional story based on real life events and real life composites of yes. real leaders and mm-hmm. some little feeling a little too familiar to me, um, incredibly grateful for where the story goes because I found myself, Ruth, so discouraged these days of the stories of leaders that I've led under, mm-hmm. leaders that I've led yeah. alongside, leaders that I've known from a distance mm-hmm. who who did not. <laughs> stop or do that mm-hmm. humility that Jeannie was just talking about, who did not own, who did not, yeah, <laughs> I know rest is a component, not the sole one, but who did not, were not seemingly unwilling, were unwilling to get off of that hustle train or that hiding train or whatever it may be. And it's, you know, while it's a fictional story, mm-hmm. it's encouraging to see where it leads versus some of the other stories that I feel at times can sort of take on a greater narrative like this is happening everywhere and there's no way to it's impossible to do this without burning out i know that's not true but to see the the process work out that no there actually is hope there is redemption there is rest if you're willing to seek god and seek it out so yeah well thank you for that i you know the other place the other way in which pastor dan humbled himself was to seek out spiritual direction as well so the role of the spiritual director was important in the story because i don't know if he would have even come to an awareness that he he thought he actually thought he was practicing sabbath by falling on the falling into the chair at the end of the day of preaching like he thought that he yeah yeah, he thought he was doing that and and it took someone else outside of himself to say wait a second i'm not even sure you're truly practicing the sabbath the way it was intended could we work on that but i you know that's another aspect of submission i think for christian leaders today is to allow somebody to have some spiritual authority or some Mm -hmm. a a spiritual guidance role in our lives and teach us things that we don't open up things for us that we might not otherwise know to choose Mm -hmm. yeah but i've seen that standing ovation that was not that was real i have Mm -hmm. seen a standing ovation Mm -hmm. for a leader who was willing to practice something and then lead out of it in a way that yes. was vulnerable. I've, I've been in that and it's beautiful when mm-hmm. it happens. So it, is. Um, yeah. it absolutely Love is. It. Wow. Well, we like to end each one of these episodes by wondering together, what's God stirring in your heart? This, um, what does your soul want to say to God? That's always different than what your head wants to say to God or what your intellect wants to say to God. Is there anything that's stirring for, for each of you that you feel this is what my soul is saying right now? And Jeannie, I think you kind of went there already when you talked about, could Soul City be a place, you know? But maybe there's something else even more personal. I don't know. But let's just, you know, wonder what is our soul saying to God right now at the end of this mm-hmm. intimate conversation? Mm-hmm. I I know that we are both big fans of Father Richard Rohr mm-hmm. and his writings and teachings. And, you know, one of the things that, um, well, well, two come to my mind. He says, we cannot think ourselves into new ways of living. Mm -hmm. We have to live ourselves into new ways of thinking. And I am, I am on a journey of recognizing that that can only happen if we are present Mm -hmm. to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And so where my soul stirs most is when I can tune myself so clearly into this now moment that I can be so deeply present with God, with myself and with others. Mm-hmm. And, um, for me, I practice that through a question, uh, by mm-hmm. asking myself what's here now. And I, I really scan, um, what am I sensing in my body? What am I feeling in my heart? What am I thinking in my mind so that I can return to the present moment? Mm -hmm. Because Father Richard Rohr also said, we cannot attain the presence of God because we are already in the presence of God. What's missing is our awareness. Mm -hmm. And so what's stirring so deeply in me is wanting to be fully aware of the present moment so that I can be, whatever is happening in it, I can be fully there. So that, that is really where my soul Mm. is stirring is how do I be a person in this world that is deeply present to the ways of Jesus? Well, and it strikes me that it's very hard to bring presence if we're exhausted. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, because presence takes energy. It takes energy and stamina. Yeah, it does. And so it strikes me that um, this practice of restful yeah. rhythms will enable us to have the stamina to be present rather than, than to numb ourselves, you know, or to yes. do the thing that's easier, like going back to the past or into the future. Mm-hmm. But to have, mm-hmm. you know, that, that these rhythms of rest will make it more possible for us to bring our presence where yeah. where it is right now in this moment. Yeah. 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 What about you, Jared? Yeah, I would say, you know, the thing that's stirring lately and, and, and was, you know, I've sensed God stirring even deeper during this conversation is uh, what does it really mean to be a pastor, to pastor, mm-hmm. to shepherd, that, that side of it, mm-hmm. to pastor people in this now moment, as Jeannie was just talking about, but this unique cultural moment, which like you said, is still very much unfolding mm-hmm. nevertheless. <laughs> there are people that I clearly feel called to care for. And I think I've spent the majority of the last, gosh, 25, 26 years in professional ministry focusing on my leadership mm-hmm. and my communication, all very important. But I'm really being drawn back to what does it mean to be a pastor, especially mm-hmm. a pastor, like Jeannie had mentioned earlier in our conversation, to a transient community where you may only get, you know, mm-hmm. we're in the heart of the city. So you may only have someone for 18 to 24 months. And so how can you offer deep presence and pastoral care for someone where that's part of the context? How can you do it? with so much has been shaken and yeah. is unsettled in people's souls right now. And and also in a context where I think people have settled for content creators as their spiritual directors. And how do I not just contribute mm-hmm. to that, but really have presence in pastoring? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what about you, Ruth? What mm-hmm. would you say for you, Stern, in your soul in this now moment? Yeah. Well, I find myself going to the moment in the conversation where we were talking about, um, you know, on the other side of COVID that we can't, it's an interruption. It's, you know, we can't go back to normal. That would be, you know, unrealistic to think anybody's going back to normal, whatever that was. But the conversations that need to be had, and I feel a real sense of tenderness towards pastors and communities who need to have those conversations and where I, I know the leadership personality and where they would rather go strategize it and just, you know, put a vision out there and a strategy and hope mm-hmm. that people are going to fall into line and do it and follow them. Mm-hmm. That Moses coming down from the mountain kind of, mm-hmm. you know, way of doing leadership. But I don't think that's going to provide what people are going to actually follow in this moment. Yeah. And so I feel a lot of compassion for pastors and their communities and the need for this conversation. And I feel tender towards them as they... Mm-hmm. Um, set up those conversations if they have the wisdom to do so and what's going to happen in those conversations and praying that they can hold the realities of the of this season and even as it relates to this topic and you know what you noticed about people needing prayer and I think you know we haven't even talked about the younger generation who is I mean I know young people who are not going to go back to a church where Christian busyness is the thing that they're being invited into they're just not going to do it because they want so badly another way of life and so I'm just feeling compassionate and tender and prayerful hmm. for pastors and leaders who are going to have to spo- respond to that reality and that they can maybe slaughter some sacred cows and change, really change how they're yeah. approaching life in congregations. Yeah. Because without that, I'm not sure where we're going to end up. Love it. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah. And so for those of us who are listening, for I just uh, hope that you will not rush on from this moment, but that you will also take a moment to listen for what your soul wants to say to God and that you will write it, that you will sing it, that you will dance it, that you will journal it, but that you will not rush past this moment and you will take a moment to say something true to God that's stirring in your own soul in response to this conversation. The Lord be with you.